Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Carbett, your host, and with me is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm not doing half bad myself, Mark. How you doing? I am fantastic. I am, I tell you what, man, <laughs> I feel like I can finally catch my breath after this World Series, after this entire postseason and this 60-game regular series, I feel like I can finally catch a breath. Yeah, it feels like the first time in months since we've had, you know, nights where we can actually relax and not worry about any of our teams in the playoffs. And it is nice, but I, I, I kind of miss that stress a little bit. Yeah, there's that. But I, I got to tell you, this last night I slept for eight and a half hours. And it's the first time I've gotten that many hours of sleep in, oh, what, about six months or so. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. And then what, maybe next February we'll actually be talking about uh, spring training again. Who knows? Yeah, hopefully. We'll be here before you know it. <laughs> yeah, it will be here before you know it. But right now, let's take a look, look at what we've just been through. Survival counts in this season, in this year of COVID. I've got to say, while being a big critic of Rod Manfred, i got to say that he and Tony Clark, they put together a really good season when you think about as far as actually the, I wouldn't say it's completely COVID-free. Once we they got past some of the real big bumps, with the Marlins and the Cardinals early in the year, postseason wise, they've done pre- they did pretty well. So, I'm very thankful for that as well. Yeah, it, it wasn't the prettiest start to the year. I remember doing shows and we weren't sure if we were going to have actual games to cover because it was getting so bad. But I believe they they did a really good job in the end of getting everything done. And I believe they only missed about maybe two games total weren't played. So yeah, yeah, that's a lot better than. And it was looking like it was going there for a while. They, they've done a lot better than other sports. So kudos to them on that. And even to Mr. Manfred and Mr. Clark, we give you a tip of the hat. So the thing of it is taking a look now, what actually did happen this season? I mean, we saw 60 games. And you and I as Rafe's fans, we were very fortunate to see our team win two-thirds of those games, 40, and, 40 wins and 20 losses, and then move on up through – one of the most interesting postseasons I've ever seen in my life. I thought it was the NCAA brackets for a moment. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, we got to see games pretty much all day the first couple rounds. It was it was awesome. It was like March Madness. Exactly. <laughs> and that's that's exactly what it felt like. I understand that next year it sounds like Manfred is willing to look at some different kind of bracket system. So that it may it may not be what we saw this year with what sixteen teams but maybe something more scaled back to 12 or 10 or something. I'm not sure what that would look like, but it should be very interesting. We'll dive more into this later on, I'm sure, but it's going to be interesting to see how they – Manfred seems hell-bent on wanting to expand the postseason. It's I wonder how they're going to do it because 16 teams won't work in a full season. Good point. I think like you're saying, we'll, we'll dig deeper than that into an upcoming episode about the things we love and necessarily love about this particular season. But let's take a look at that World Series. Let's take a look at the postseason game. We covered a lot of the other things as the games came up. We've been up all the way up through game four, five, and then six, and the world changed. Yeah, game six is pretty much do or die for the Rays. Force game seven or go home. And for a while there, it was going good for them. It wasn't the prettiest offensively, which has been pretty much the whole year. But on the mound, we've been begging pretty much, Snell, please go deeper in games. Be the the ace and Cy Young winner you, you've been before. And he yeah. was doing that. 
Absolutely. To kind of, to kind of walk us through the game, you're always very good in, on analyzing that. To share with us what you saw, some of the, not necessarily every play, but play by play and how the game evolved. Well, the Rays, they went with Randy hitting second. He got a homer, so he pretty much continued his hot postseason, giving him a one nothing lead early, which usually when the Rays get the lead, it's like they lock down, they shut down. They almost they win almost every game. And for a while there, Snell was doing Cy Young Snell. He, he was just – he made everybody look like a fool up there. The Dodgers were just shaking their heads or talking to themselves. Some well, you- ugly swings. Was it two strikeouts that he gave with Betts up there? Yeah, he had he struck out Betts twice, and he also tr- struck out Seager and Turner twice. So, combined altogether, they were zero for six with six strikeouts against him. Good gravy, man! I mean, how can that be? I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this. I'm thinking, my gosh, this is the baseball I always wanted to see. I want to see a top pitcher go ahead and take some of the top hitters down just like that with strikeouts. I mean, I love the rest of the game. I love the soft. I mean, I love the sharp ball, love the home runs. But to me, to see that kind of finesse from a pitcher is one of the most exciting things in baseball there is. Yeah, and it was so exciting because we we don't see it like like this, that often anymore. It's, you know, a lot of bullpen days, some guys, they can't just dominate like that. So when we see it, it gets so exciting. And he was just shut down the whole time. Five and a third innings, two hits. One run, which was earned, even though he didn't give it up himself. And the biggest thing to me, he had the nine strikeouts, but 73 pitches and no walks. No walks. No walks. Jeez, and crackers. Yeah, that doesn't happen very often with, with him or others. So, so okay, get us to that point. Snell's done all that great pitching. Was it five and a third innings? Or is it five and two thirds? Five, th- uh, five and a third. Five and a third innings. And then what happened? Um, Kevin Cash comes running out of the dugout and he decides he's going to go to the bullpen, pull his guy that is absolutely dominating the best offense in the majors and bring in a guy, Nick Anderson, who has been honestly horrendous this postseason. He had as a nine ERA this whole postseason, even though he was shut down the whole regular season, this postseason, he was just, I love him to death, but man, I've, I would get nervous and beg for him just to get out of the inning. Anytime he was out there, it was bad. And it didn't even take long for the Dodgers to do their damage. Only like five pitches and the game was tied. Yeah, bang, bang, bang. And that was amazing to me too because in the preseason, I'm looking at Anderson. He always looks very confident, almost to the point of arrogance. And arrogance can sometimes bite you in the backside. And especially if the confidence is built on, you know, what you've achieved in the past. But if you don't have the stability of that success over and over again, arrogance will actually fail. True confidence will take you through. And I really wonder if that's what happened with him. Yeah, and he had a right to be confident. In the year and a half he's been with the Rays, he's been lights out. I feel he's only given up, what, like two runs? He's been shut down yeah, he, the whole time. He he has been amazing, so I don't know what happened. I, I don't know if there's a postseason attitude that happened with some of our Rays because looking at the at the rest of that game, the one thing that was really missing and has actually been missing a lot of the postseason, certainly through the World Series, was hearing the bat crack from the Rays. 
Yeah. And even though pitching was getting most of the, the talk about this and, you know, Cash's decision, that wasn't the sole reason that they lost. The offense was horrendous. We saw it in game six as well. Rosarino was the only source of offense. He was two for four with an RBI, which came on that homer. And then you had Meadows, Kiermaier, and Zanino, the only three other guys to have a hit that game. And the rest of the lineup ended up contributing to 16 strikeouts and were 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Yeah, I mean, you can only put so much on the shoulders of Randy Rosarino and ex- expect him to carry that team. I was very disappointed. You know, we did leave some men on base. We did leave some men in scoring positions. I know that's a real bugaboo for you, and it is with me too. It's something that just absolutely runs a chill down my spine when we leave men on base. And one of the games, what was it? The, I think maybe it was the fifth game with Margot on third, zero outs, and then one, two outs, and then he took a run for it at home. That He should never have had to wait for two more outs. It never should have gotten that way. Those are some of the things in these games that just drove me absolutely crazy as a Rays fan. Yeah, and give credit to the Dodgers, their pitching staff. Their starters we knew were great, but their bullpen, they said, was like their big concern coming in. That, in my opinion, makes it even worse because the bullpen was the one that shut them down in game six. I mean, they, they only gave up the five hits, the one and run, two walks, 16 strikeouts, and this is supposed to be a bad bullpen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess the bad bullpen beats a bad offense any day. Oh, oh, Brandon, I think you're definitely right on the mark there too. That's it's a that's a, some sad, sad stuff. But I want to stop and, and give kudos and credit to the Dodgers and Dave Roberts and his entire team. They did a fantastic job. There's no taking anything away from that. Everybody has said for the entire year the Dodgers are the team in baseball, and they proved that this past week. It seemed like they were just the better team, at least in my opinion. You could tell. And it was a really fun series. There was never really a moment where it was like one team would completely run away with it outside of the first, I believe it was game one. Right. But as the series went on, it was still like really close, even though your team, like the Rays, like they would go ahead and then the Dodgers would go ahead and the Rays would go ahead again or they'd tie it and they just leapfrog each other. And then ultimately one team would make a mistake. And the other team would capitalize on it, and they'd win the game. So it was a very entertaining series, and I hope, hopefully, there are more entertaining ones like this in the near future. I, I hope so as well. I'm looking forward to that. It's never too early to start looking forward till next year. You know, we we do have to take a look at, at philosophies and how people are doing things. And one of those I wanted to talk about, and you've done a good job of taking a look at analytics, trying to blend analytics with the moment. You know. There's analytics, there's a measurement, you know, you get out your slide rule, you get all that and you're measuring everything, but lo and behold, in the end, there's more than just analytics. There's what's going out there on the mound at that moment. There is a sense of energy on the field, but I'd like to hear a little bit more about what you have to say with what you've seen analytics this year. Well, I'm I'm one of those people that when you talk about analytics, First of all, you're a fool not to use it in some sense because I believe if you're making big decisions like you are in the front office and even when you're making lineups and and changes throughout the game, you should do your best to have the most information you possibly can. So I believe you need you need to have a balance of both the eye test, a gut feeling, and the numbers with the analytics. 
And, you know, sometimes, you know, it's impossible to say completely balanced. It's just human nature to trust one thing more than the other. At least in my opinion, the Rays are one of those teams where they depend so heavily on analytics to where sometimes it'll cloud their judgment. And for the most part, it does work. Like this year, we saw it. We saw it earlier this postseason. They pulled Charlie Morton after what, five and a third as well. Yeah. In the, yeah. the ALCS. We talked about it at the time. I didn't agree with it. I thought he should have gone a little bit longer. I don't think he should have gone a whole lot longer like Snell could have. But it ended up working for them. In this one, I thought it showed your point perfectly to where the flaw with analytics is that it doesn't factor in the human factor, which is really important, to where you have a guy on the mound who is on top of the world in game six pitching the game of his life and has all the confidence he does in the world. And then you have the best offense on the other side in the Dodgers that are literally shaking their heads wondering what can they do because they're looking like fools up there. And But the numbers will tell you third time through the lineup, the averages go up, which it does. You can just look at the numbers. But the way, if you're watching that game, you don't have to be a genius to know that the dude on the mound is dominating and he can still go for a while, even if you believe in the pitch count stuff. I understand if it was like, hey, it's the third time through the lineup. We'll let you stay out there. But we're going to give you a little bit shorter of a leash. We're not going to give you like free reign because you've earned it. You've been dominant all night. But it really did backfire when they brought in Nick Anderson, who's been god awful, like we said earlier in this game yeah. or in, yeah, the, in the show. Would you say his ERA was again at the postseason? Um, I believe it was around nine. Nine. That's what I heard. <laughs> it's like good gravy. <laughs> so I'm okay. So looking at the analytics, you would say. How much more can it hurt if Snell lets another guy get on base, even if he lets a run get in? How much more damage can he do compared to that as opposed to putting in a pitcher with an ERA of nine? That's that's the crazy part. We we have all these opinions, and I personally think I don't I don't think he would have imploded the way he was going. But he, for all we know, he could have imploded and given up four or five runs, and it could have been a runaway game. Or he could have stayed in there, and we could have seen one of the great pitching performances in World Series history, and yeah. it was a one nothing win for the race. Who Absol- Absolutely. I wonder if there is the ghost of Kirk Gibson with a Rays uniform in the dugout, and he could just we could just bring him out because you know I, I would say I think Kirk Gibson's still alive, but <laughs> but none but nonetheless, there's a you know a Dodger in the past who came out who was in who was in pain and could barely even walk out to the field. But he had in his spirit the bill, you know, his mindset that he was going to go ahead and make a difference, and he did. You know, he was one out there. I'm sure Vince Scully loved calling that game with with Gibson making a big, 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 big. Well, the difference that won the game. Okay, we didn't have the bats. You know, we just didn't have the bats. And I don't know what analytics can do about at the bat, but whatever it was. <laughs> It didn't make it to that game. So I don't want to, to uh, belittle what was done because anybody wants to accuse Kevin Cash of something, shame on you. Because guess what? Those Rays would never, ever, ever have made it all the way to the World Series without 
the management of Kevin Cash. You want to call him out on one one call? If you want to give him grief and hell about, you know, Mr. Snell, that's your prerogative. But if you have any good sense, you're going to also appreciate all that that man has done for the Rays this year. And that's all I got to say about that. Yeah, and I'll admit it. That night, I was one of those people like thinking, fire this fool. What's wrong with him? But I've calmed down since then. And, you know, he does deserve a lot of credit for what he's done. He's, you know, he's not the traditional manager in the sense of things. He does more in that he's like, he does a great job of bringing the guys together and makes them, you know, a team like we've talked about before. And yeah. that's just as important as decisions. And, you know, for every good thing he does, we'll give him credit. But every bad thing he does, we'll, we'll criticize him for it. And <laughs> I, I do my best to do be balanced with it. And be you know, even-handed. I'll say good. If you do bad, I'll say bad. So I do my best with that. But he does deserve credit for the good that he's done. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. So, you know, there like so we we say great to analytics, but also we we hope that teams and managers everywhere also kind of take a sense of what's going on the moment on the mound. And a kudos to Cash, Eric Neander for the people he's brought into the race, and certainly to all those young men who did such a wonderful job this entire season. We salute you. But now that we've taken a look at Game Six and the conclusion of the 2020 season at the World Series. There's all kinds of little stories evolving now and preparation, I guess, not just for February of 2021, but like winter meetings and everything else, long before those happen, there's conversations going on about potentially changing managers, you know, also as far as who is going to be re-signed or who's going to be given assignment. What Those are some of the things. What are happening with some of those players? Now, one I found especially inter- interesting that's breaking today is the story that A.J. Hinch, who's now fulfilled his, uh, basically his suspension for a full baseball year, he is going to, looks like he may very well be the manager of the Detroit Tigers. Their manager retired, and Hinch, who you know, did a pretty good job with the Astros. Actually, a very great job. And I guess some could say how much of that was him doing a great job and how much of that was a, a bang on the trash can. I don't know. But he's good enough, I think, that I think that the uh, the Tigers would certainly, you know, grow with that. A funny thing I saw on Twitter earlier, I apologize if I'm getting this wrong, but when he was hired by the Astros – they had had like the worst record for four straight years. Yeah. But, and then they ended up drafting big name guys and bringing them up through the ranks quickly. And they built themselves into a championship contender. And the Tigers have been a very bad team the past four years. I believe they've been last place the past four years. And they have a, a lot of people say is a strong farm system. So maybe a, a bright spot there for some Tiger fans, as long as you don't like trash cans. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I look forward to it. Now, I saw that what uh, Eric Neander has not offered options to Charlie Morton or Mike Zanino just yet. He's saying quite obvious. He's saying quite clearly that it isn't a matter of not wanting them back. It's a matter, I think, of actually sitting down negotiating, you know, what price that's going to be with an upcoming year. 
and whether or not people like Charlie Martin want to actually continue with ball at all. You know, he, cause when he first came here, he said, well, you know, I'm going to do two more years and then I might be out. Yeah. There's a lot of things way over my head on the business side of baseball. There's that with the money situation and they don't know how the financials will be impacted because of everything that's happened this year, the shortened season. Another thing is that the great Steve Carney pointed out is that they also have to take all the guys currently on the 45-day IL and put them back on the 40-man roster by Sunday. Wow. Or else they could have some problems there as well. So that was another factor that he brought up as well. So let, let me ask you then, Brandon, are there any other changes that you know of? Is there anybody who's possibly leaving the Rays? This one kind of surprised me because I, I thought he was a really good catcher. I thought he'd be around for another few years. But Michael Perez, they also put on waivers, and he was claimed by the Pirates. So that one kind of kind of surprised me because I, I, I liked Perez, to be honest. I thought he was a good catcher. Yeah, I did too. I, I was kind of uh, surprised to see him go. And then who do we have behind him? Kevin Smith, I believe. And I even seen somebody who was projecting the idea that Zanino – might come to the Tigers. I think that was more wishful thinking. Yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Zanino and Morton, they said they're open to continuing talks with them, you know, bringing them back because of the finances. Also, Charles Rowe, Andrew Kittredge, and Kevin Smith, they were put on waivers, but they were cleared, and now they're free agents, and the Rays are continuing talks with those three. And that comes courtesy of Mark Topkin. Well, I'm Mark Carbon. I'm here again with Mr. Brandon Noway, and we want to thank you all for participating with us throughout this entire MLB postseason and the World Series. But we will continue to be with you every week covering what's going on with baseball. And as we said a moment ago, looking at minor league baseball, looking at all the trades that may be happening, looking at people who've been designated, some who are going to be moving from one team or another. Those are some of the things that we're going to be doing here in the future. So, Brandon, I want to thank you again, man, here today for being here. Well, thank you for bringing me back. It's always a fun time. So thanks, everybody, for listening to us. And we'll be back next week. And remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many others. You can also find us on Twitter at TheBaseballBiz and Brandon at TheSportsBlitz1. We look forward to talking with you again real soon. Special thanks to X-Take RUX for their music rocking forward.